my name is Michaela Wayne. Here we are in the Women in Construction room on Clubhouse. And today our guest speaker is Emma Porter. We're going to be talking about past, present and future changes in the construction industry around ED&I. So Emma, let's, um, let's jump into it. Can you, can you give us a brief who you are, what you do, what your opinions on this are? Uh, sure. So, yeah, I'm Emma Porter. Um, I'm Managing Director at Story Plant. Um, we're a plant hire company mainly in rail, um, but I've only been in plant since February this year. Before that, I was Managing Director of the Construction Division. Um, still at Story, and prior to that, I was at Arup. Um, so, yeah, that's although I have a few hats. I also chair Carlisle's Town Deal Board, and I sit on Cumbria LEP, and I sit on the Borderlands Economic Forum, and I have a small community interest company called Rebuild that I started last year. Uh, I don't know how to say no to things, Michaela. I've got too many hats. <laughs> oh, snap, honestly. But yeah, <laughs> that's, that's amazing, Emma. And so can you tell us a bit about what, what, what is it that you do at Story? Did you set this up? Uh, not Story, no. I set up Rebuild. Uh, so Rebuild is, it's a community interest company focused on circular economy in construction. I just, I mean, to give a quick kind of explanation of where where rebuild came from i just there were three real drivers one is that working in construction i was really frustrated with the um amount of kind of useful materials going to waste and the difficulty in doing much about it in the industry i think anyone who works in construction will have seen kind of useful stuff in a skip and thought that's too good to throw away um then story a family business we do lots of stuff in the community cumbria was flooded a few times and during the floods story played a big part in kind of the community response and it really made me realize just how difficult it can be for community projects to get access to construction materials um, and then the third the big one really is that i think for construction to move from linear you know build use demolish to a circular build use uh, deconstruct and rebuild stuff with the material parts we've got a lot to do and so rebuild we collect the surplus from construction sites, we either give it for free to community projects, we sell it to general public, and we do research into why is surplus becoming available and what would need to happen to kind of get more materials back into reuse. So yeah, that's my that's my Friday job. <laughs> wow, yeah, amazing. And how have you found it? How's it going? What oh yeah, I love it. I skip into work on a Friday morning. I mean, I like work anyways, but yeah, no, it's, it's going really well. We won an innovation award last year. Uh, we're a pretty small team. We're just about to move into a new area. Little, uh, shout out to Sunbelt Rentals who are giving us a massive helping hand in moving in. Um, really good reception. I think, I mean, there's still lots to do. We need to figure out how we do stock properly. We need to figure out how to do the collections in an efficient way instead of at the moment. I mean, on Monday, I'm sending my husband to do one of the collections because it's, it's, uh, we're still kind of figuring it out. But no, really, really good, really well received. Uh, lots of support from the industry. Lovely. I would love to hear it. So, uh, hi, Lana. Well, welcome to the stage. Are you in and out there? Will you be available to chat? Hi, yeah, I'm available to chat. Good to see you all. Haven't been here in a while, but yeah, thought yeah. I'd grab lunch and listen to some inspiring people. Lovely stuff. Yeah, thanks, Lana. So, uh, Emma's our guest speaker for today, and I am the only host. Carol is on holiday, and Haley's in A and E. So, um, right, Emma, let, let's let's crack on. We, we, today, we're going to be talking about past, present, and future changes in construction. And I know you do public speaking around this. What how what have you found the difference there from when you started your career in construction up and to where we are today? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this, obviously, before um, 
chat today and I was thinking for me that I was I wanted to talk about kind of three things that have changed for me and three things that I see changed in the industry more broadly I mean one of the things for me I think is when I first started my career I really wasn't interested in like women in construction or women only networking or kind of anything around like women in I wanted to just I thought it was all fair play already and I was going to beat the boys fair and square and I didn't need no helping hand and um and I really had just wasn't interested at all and and I think really didn't fully understand what they were about and why they were needed but I as I've moved through my career so I turned 40 this year as well so obviously that's a year for kind of reflection isn't it and thinking how far have I come and what's next um but as I've moved through my career and I think you, you don't necessarily see women kind of in those senior level jobs as much as you would expect to and you kind of as I've moved along thought oh well hang on a minute maybe maybe they are needed and and maybe it's not so much about favoritism and helping hands maybe it's more around beginning to remove some of the barriers and beginning to understand what's happening that women aren't progressing in the way that you would expect them to um so yeah that that's one big change for me is is I've done a complete kind of turnaround in my view of sort of things like women in construction or women in nuclear who were fantastic when I was working in the nuclear industry. And um, so that's one thing. I think another thing that's changed for me, this is maybe more me as a, as a mum, is I'm on my third child, he's six now, he's not a baby, but my, my baby. Um, way, I don't really bother with mummy guilt and that kind of giving myself a hard time. I think that's something that, I've changed quite a lot as I've got older is that, you know, I know I'm doing my best. And if I sometimes make mistakes, I mean, I don't like making mistakes, but I'm way less kind of hard on myself now than I was when I was younger. I'm way more kind of forgiving that I'm doing my best and sometimes things happen. And when things do go wrong and when you do make mistakes, instead of really berating myself and being hard on myself, realise that, you know, you win or you learn. Like if I've forgotten something, do I need to slow down? Or if I've made the wrong call, do I need to approach it differently next time? And I think that's something that's that's changed more for me personally than uh, than in the industry. And I think the third thing for me personally is this idea of kind of going before I'm ready. I did um, an MBA at INSEAD, which was amazing. And I had um, a professor there, um, Jennifer Pettigleri, who was just awesome and um, a course called Psychological Issues in Management and I remember in that class talking about the job that I wanted and I'd been offered this this kind of senior job and I was like yeah I want that one day but I'm not ready like I want to really feel like I've earned it and Jen was like let me stop you right there like I don't want to hear you saying that you, you know you're not ready you, you've been given the chance you go now you will figure it out when you get there and really made me kind of rethink that whole approach to instead of before that I thought it was a really good thing to be completely prepared and know that I was 100% ready and she really opened my eyes to realizing that that was a mistake and I was holding myself back unnecessarily by waiting until I could do 100% like it's absolutely fine to go at I don't know 60-70% and you're gonna learn things once you get there Um, and so that's been a big change for me in my career in the construction industry as well. Yeah, I think that they're all great points and I agree on all the points. I have two children and the first one, I was riddled with guilt. It's why I started my my own company so I'd have more time to be able to spend with him. And honestly, my second one is borderline neglected. I really just don't give a shiny shit anymore. You're nurturing independence. It's not as good for them. (laughs) Oh, I like this. I'm nurturing independence. It's not neglect. Make your own breakfast. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the, 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 the first point that you made 
that really fits for me because when I got into construction as well, I was very much of the, the same opinion where I was like, I can do this all myself. I saw no yeah. differences. I didn't expect to be treated different when perhaps upon reflection, I was discriminated against. I never saw it as discrimination. It was yeah. just that individual person, you know, was yeah. a bit of a, a knob. And, yeah. and I, I was moving on and, and it was only maybe seven years into my career that it was highlighted. I was on TV and loads, thousands of women reached out to me and were saying, how do you deal with this problem? What should I do in this situation? Just like generally, thanks for um, representing women in construction, blah, blah, blah. And that's when I realized, oh my God, this problem is actually really deep. Yeah. Um, and there's women out there who aren't like me and you and perhaps aren't as resilient and it's those women who are losing to other industries when they when they come face to face with discrimination or challenges they just leave because that you know they, they're just not i guess cut from the same cloth yeah. and that's when i thought this is this is really important like the women who aren't afraid really need to be standing up and championing yeah. those other women and and you know god knows our industry it, it it's got skill shortages. We need like the, the best people joining. The, the challenge around, you know, the climate emergency and how do you kind of continue to build infrastructure with the cost of construction? We need the best people around. Them leaving because of barriers that are unnecessarily there is an absolute shot in the foot for the whole industry. You know, we shouldn't be select. It shouldn't be only the ones who are strong enough to kind of put up with it that, that, can, that can make it. It should be whoever's best place for that job. 100% and I think just what you were saying as well with your third point about um, your mentor who pushed you again this is a key thing with women um, I, and it's, it's psychologically proven there's there's loads of research out there about it about women not going for a job unless yeah. they can tick nine of the ten boxes whereas men will go for the job if they can do six and basically wing it and I think we need to do a lot of work around women and that confidence piece but I think now, more than, more than ever, 100%, in, in, from now to 12 years ago when I started, women are really championing and supporting other women. They, they're seeing that there can be more than one seat at the table. And actually, if you yeah. do get more women at the top, it's only going to benefit all the women who are currently in the industry, including yourself. And, and it benefits the men too. I think, I think uh, you know, it's good for everyone to have these, the, an inclusive culture where people can speak up and be themselves. Like, it's, it's, it's not bad for men. It's good for everybody. I think on, on your point, you know, you were saying about uh, the confidence thing. I think it's partly confidence. And I think it's partly, like, not fully understanding the rules of the game. I think women think the rules are you're supposed to be able to do everything on the list before you're allowed to apply. And I think that we've been taught the wrong rules, like... You don't, you can have a go. Like having someone who tells you like, you don't need to wait till you can do 100%. You're allowed to kind of have a crack at it earlier. I think it's partly confidence and partly just someone pointing out that that's allowed. Yeah, do you know what? I saw a really interesting post on LinkedIn as well from a company maybe a month or so ago where there was like a, a little side note at the bottom saying, um, if you do not it, like fulfill all of these, whatever these points, Please yeah. do apply if you've got the right attitude. We will train and da da da. We're yeah, all about yeah. equality, diversity, and inclusion. And just mentioning that on the job advert, just that's yeah, difficult. like giving you permission, isn't it, to have a go? Absolutely. And I think as employers, that's what we all can do. Just add that at the bottom, saying you know, if you don't have all of these skills, but you've got a great work ethic and you're willing to yeah. learn these skills on the job, then please do apply because 
um, then you'll get far more women coming into the room who actually might be far more capable than the men who are applying. It's just that they was a little bit shy about coming forward previously. Yeah. So it's, it's really important as employers to understand these little things that we can change immediately to, to be more inclusive and open. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you're seeing kind of more women supporting women. And that was the, the first thing that I had on my list of things that I'm seeing changed in the industry in the kind of oh, 20 years. makes me feel old. But the 20 years that I've been working in is that I think in the past there was you would sometimes hear from people who'd found that there was a bit of a perception that there was only room for one and that maybe women were competing against each other for the same spot. And, and I feel like that's shifted and that you see a lot of women support women. Like I've got some amazing women role models in my life and, and amazing women at story and throughout the industry. And, and I think that it's moved towards being more supportive and more recognising that we, we, we achieve more altogether than, um, than this kind of competitive approach that perhaps there was in the past. Obviously not every organisation. I'm sure there's some people thinking, oh, I wish my company did that. But I think it's something that I've seen improving. Yeah, it, it definitely has. I think, to be honest, like nobody likes the fact that there's a skills gap shortage, but it's been an absolute blessing in, dis in disguise for women and people from all kinds of, of demographics as well who would have perhaps been overlooked previously because, um, you know, people are desperate and they're willing to and take the risk and take on people who perhaps they wouldn't have, have typically done before um, as well. So I know... Um, Stephanie, well, welcome to the stage. Are, are you around? Can you talk? What, what's your situation? Yeah, I'm in a void at the minute. So it might be a little bit echoey, but I'm good to talk. All right. Okay, lovely stuff. So, yeah, feel free to, to jump in at any point, join in. The same with you, Lana. You know, if you've got any questions for Emma, you want to get involved in what we're talking about, then feel free to jump in. Um, so, Emma, I wanted to touch on what do you think that we need to be doing collectively as, a, as an industry or even individually going forward to see more changes to encourage more women to get into construction? I mean, I think we have, I think COVID's almost opened our eyes a little bit more, maybe sped up the people's understanding of what proper leadership is. So I think it used to be much more people saw a leader was like the red, like aggressive, decisive alpha male type. But I think both female and male leaders, like women and men are both having to change their leadership style to have a little bit more compassionate leadership, more authentic and kind of show vulnerability and communicate well. And so I think a bit of our understanding of what a good leader and what a good team player is, is has shifted slightly uh, for the better. Um, and I think that organisations can begin to do quite a lot to encourage a more diverse kind of inclusive culture. I mean, I know we always, we always talk about diversity and inclusion in one, and I think it's, it's so important, isn't it? Because you can't just hire a diverse group and hope for the best, because really, without doing any work, there's, there's more potential for them to completely misunderstand each other and all fall out and it all go wrong. You need inclusivity in there as well, where people feel that they can speak and make comments and point out when something's not safe or point out when something can be done quicker. And um, so I when we talk about kind of what can you do to get there, one of the things actually I was thinking that I would like to see change is, is, is perhaps men understanding that it's not a threat, like more women isn't a bad thing for men, it's, it's good for everybody, that the aim isn't to just kind of hire some women at the expense of the men, it's more creating a culture where the right people can apply and the best people for the job can come forward. And 
You know what? I was thinking in the in the future what I'd like to see. I'd love it if you never heard the phrase. I would I would hire a, a woman engineer as long as she was good enough. Or it's got to be based on merit because I just die a bit inside when I hear that because of course it's got to be based on merit and I've got no one's advocating hiring kind of people who can't do the job and I think we've we've got there if people don't feel the need to say that anymore like if they realize that we are talking about merit we're talking about people being able to be their full selves and do their best work and be a full kind of contributing part of the team and so I've gone off on a tangent a little bit there but I just think that that phrase it's got to be based on merit absolutely and if it was we wouldn't need kind of women in construction groups or women network. We wouldn't need to do any of this. It would just all happen naturally. Yeah, do you know what? It's a really annoying phrase as well because it's as if to say every other woman who's working in construction yeah. is not based on merit. Yeah. Like, obviously, it's based on merit. Like, who thinks anything other than that? Yeah. And they yeah. start saying that, oh, it's a tick box exercise. No, it's not. These people want a more diverse workforce it's proven to increase the bottom line profits so they want yeah. to do it and adapt the company move with the times have a reflection of the local community within their organization as well it's the most bizarre thing that people say and yeah. while saying it, i think what do you actually think of the people who are in construction there who aren't the typical like white man but i think it comes from like a mis like misconception misunderstanding like i i think the people are saying it's because they're somehow worried or somehow nervous that it's going to damage performance and like I think a, a, a whole load of work to try and get them to see it, it's not a threat like having if you're say a, a, a man and a CEO and you're hearing these messages that you've got to divert, have this diverse team instead of thinking it's a challenge or a threat they should see it as an opportunity and like it, it, we could do so much better like you can you can do better work it's a good it should be seen as a good thing and as a positive as a something that men shouldn't be afraid of they should be like excited about because it would be good for them as well i don't know about you emma but i think there's a whole problem with there's just not enough there in the first place so yeah. it's funny because your story very much resounded with me i turned 40 this year as well i have two kids um i'm a civil engineer so yeah um at one stage we both must have made similar um gcse and career choices at about the same time but yeah, there's just not enough, I think, good role models are that, you know, it says construction's a career choice yeah. and there's just not enough feed in the funnel at the start. So I think the stuff that Michaela's doing, you know, raising the profile, using her great profile about women in construction is brilliant because yeah. you're getting more at the start. And yeah, I suppose there's that whole, um, yeah, recruit and then retrain and then retain is yeah. the next issue because a lot of... Yeah, senior this leaders. Is the leaky pipe, leave. isn't it? Yeah. So, so I think that I think there's both um, sort of issues for the construction industry to deal with, but absolutely, it does, doesn't need to be that environment. Um, and I can I, I feel that environment's changing. So it is even over the past like the twenty years of my career, it's a different place than what it was twenty years ago. And I just hope in another ten years, it's it's an awful lot better too. I think within Story, I have seen changes in the number. Like when I was, I was head of operations for the construction division. Oh, I don't know how many years ago. That's maybe eight, ten years ago, maybe. Um, and at that point, I was the only woman in kind of a, a typically male-dominated role in the in the in the organisation. Um, the organisation was a bit smaller then as well. 
Uh, then I went to Arab. When I came back from Arab, there were like eight other women in like maybe QS or estimators or engineers or, or kind of a role that would traditionally be thought of as a man's role. And that was quite exciting because now there were eight of us. We had a little tribe. It was quite, it was quite refreshing. And we had a little WhatsApp group back then um, just to kind of have moral support sometimes and offer advice. And since then, that was four years ago, that group of eight has grown to, I think there's about 40 in the WhatsApp group and there's not 40, there's more than 40 in the organisation. So the, we've got some really kind of talented kind of young women and men joining the business at Story and, and I think we're doing quite well at that kind of recruiting. The, like you said, the next step's going to be that retaining and making sure that kind of leaky pipe because when I was at Arup, Arup have, have done well at recruiting women for, for, year, for decades and I think something like, when I was there, which is going back a few years, but something like 30, 35, 36% of their graduates were female. But yet still, by the time you got up to the grade 8, 9, it still had dropped down to about 8%. Now they're doing better than most businesses, and they are a fantastic organisation, but there's still something going on. You know, that 30% isn't moving through. Yeah, what, what do you think that, that is, Emma? What do you think the, the leading cause of that is? Do you, do you think it is a confidence thing or do you think it's maternity? Or I think it's a bit of everything. It's probably a little bit... I think, I think that, you know, wait until you can do everything is a big one. Like, I think over the course of your career, that can really cumulatively add up, you know, holding back before you go for the next project or the next promotion or the next challenge. I think that can have a big impact over the course of your career. Um, I think, yeah, maternity leave is bound to be a factor, but I think it's given more weight than it deserves. I think you could take, say, a year sabbatical and work somewhere else, and it wouldn't set you back in your career in the way that a maternity leave, you know, often does. So although I can, I can completely see that maternity leave and taking that, that break to have children can have an impact. I'm sceptical that it carries as much of the blame as I think it gets yeah that's it that's actually interesting as well yeah if you did take a year sabbatical it probably wouldn't hold you up but i wonder if as parents and more so women or as, as working mums if then it's a you are a mum now so you don't want to take on these bigger roles because you've got family commitments at home and you can't be quite as committed to your career and still society perceives women as being the main caregivers and so you're going to feel the, the weight of that responsibility as well at home so rather than it just being the actual time off work it's um it's more our own mentality and, and what we're willing to take on yeah you can you can understand that as well can't you because it is it's a lot, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> and when I talked about kind I of confirm. refusing mummy yep. girl, you know, if my house is a mess, so be it. I'm doing my best. I've got a job I love and three children. Something's got to give. But, um, but I think for all that, that, that does have merit. There's, I think there's, you learn other things, don't you know? When I did my INSEAD application, in one of the questions about things you're proud of, I wrote about um, negotiating skills like being practiced on a two-year-old like no one negotiates better than a two-year-old you know wanting chocolate do they want an extra book at bedtime and I think you know if we want leaders that are compassionate and, and have empathy like we want a range of people it doesn't need to be one type it doesn't need to be first in last out only think about work it can be people who have got lives and children because they've 
Sorry, oh. I don't know if I cut out there. My husband's yeah, trying to call me on my <laughs> phone, even though he knows I'm on a podcast right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and this is the thing. I think it's really important for, for women to be finding other female mentors. Having um, somebody suggested this couple of weeks ago to me, who was like, yeah, you should have a female mentor and a male coach. Um, you want the female mentor is somebody who has lived that experience and who understands it, but you want a male coach who's going to be able to talk you through the technicalities of things as well. So it's good to try and have both, but there just doesn't seem to be enough programs out there and I'm going to come to you on that topic about mentorship programs and whatnot next but I just want to quickly reset the room for everybody who's recently joined us and um, for the podcast listeners this room and podcast is sponsored by the wonderful big dog uh, if you're in the room the link feel free to click through uh, to their website they had a show um, so yeah they out now back to the grip and mentorship programs finding the right mentor for women who are listening to this who are coming through like where can they look what 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 can they do and, and do you put any importance on on having a um, I, it's strange you should you should bring that up. I'm only after finishing a mentoring call before this one. So as I say, I work for myself. I have my own business now, but through, like I'm based in Northern Ireland, but through doing uh, like women in construction events in Northern Ireland and people's, you know, seeing me talking about my experience, they're actually approaching me now as a mentor. And I think it's, it's to be a mentor, even though it wasn't something that I necessarily considered myself being and previously when you know I had was a manager in, in a in a role I had staff that worked for me and and you know I was giving them advice and maybe never considered it you know proper mentoring but I think it's really valuable and I know if I was to wind my career back 10 years I would love to have been able to ask another woman you know how do you navigate your 30s um as a civil engineer in construction, how do you do that? How do you get to that leadership role? How do you manage family? How do you manage overwhelm? How do you manage all of those things? And for somebody to sort of steer me out of those pitfalls. So on your point, Michaela, I think there should definitely be more programs, you know, to align to that sort of school of thought because um, there's people out there that really want them. Yeah, and I wonder. So, Lana, when you're mentoring people now, are these some of the the, the questions that are that are coming up as well about dealing with everything? Yeah, so they're asking things like, you know, I had this situation with my boss, or yeah, like my plan is, you yeah, have just got married, and in three years, I want to have kids and stuff. You know, how would you, if if you were to strategize your career, how would you approach that? And um, yeah, everything right down to. Uh, maybe want to start a business you know in five years time or all of those different points um and and that's what we would go through so we would so you know like any like a business plan so we say you know what are we going to do in six months what are we going to do in in five years and we go through those sort of difficult situations and talk about them and I give my sort of advice from having 
been there and and done that and you know we come to some good conclusions and good solutions and, and action and you know people are, are are doing better and progressing both personally and um in the business world and you know it's actually a really nice thing to do like i get off the call i usually have them on fridays and you know it, it's a really positive thing for for me as well because i feel like i've helped somebody um out today yeah absolutely and i think as well when you're talking it it through you get a bit of clarity yourself oh there's things that are brought to your attention where you're like oh, I didn't even know that this was a thing I didn't know that people worried about this I was concerned what I found is that um I am so scatter at no point in my life was I like right I'm going to plan for my children there was both accidents I was never like I'm going to plan for a business I just jumped straight in I'm like I speak to some of these people I'm like trust me you have got your shit together far better than me maybe you should be mentoring me <laughs> absolutely some sensible folks out there and uh, emma are you, are you still around was there a problem then oh yeah I, my husband tried to call even though he, he knows i'm doing a podcast never mind <laughs> uh, no problem so what, what's your opinion on this as well on mentorship i know you said you had a mentor was that in the early days or later into your career yeah, I think I've had different kind of people that I would think of as mentors. Some of them kind of formally come about through my job and sometimes just people that you value their advice and their opinion. And there's, there's been times where maybe you've got a, a bit of a crossroads and you're not sure what the right decision is and just talking it through. With some, often, you know the answer yourself. It's just having someone almost lead you through can be really helpful. And, and I mentor quite a few people within... Um, story and I've done some mentoring with um, black professionals in construction as well which I found really interesting and kept in touch with someone through that actually for quite a long time um, but what was I going to say I think I mean one of the things that that comes up fairly often is the like the language that you use like maybe maybe younger women struggling to get their to be heard in meetings and kind of they're really completely prepared like they'll say you know I'm I really prepared everything, like I went through it, I was completely ready, but I just couldn't get them, like my point across. And and I think sometimes it's the type of language you use, it's the whole, you know, when you say, oh, I'm just not sure if maybe I'm right. Well, no one believes you. If you say it that way, you've got to say, I know the number's four or whatever, you know, you've got to be a bit more clear in the language. And, and that's something that comes up quite a lot with my, the younger women that I've mentored uh, through stories. And you point it out and they're like, oh, of course. It's quite good. It's quite satisfying either when you're being mentored by someone or when you are mentoring someone to kind of find the find the root of something that's being holding holding either yourself back or someone else back. I agree with Lorna. It's it's a uh, it's 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 good for you as well. Yeah, it's mad because it is again. It's this confidence thing, but I do think that is another challenge, and <clears throat> um, with men as well as women, the age thing because with that. Experience just comes confidence. Obviously, you've done something a hundred times. You're going to be more confident in being able to. It's all still new to you, and early on in your career, everything's new to you. It's having the confidence to be able to convince that, and in meetings to convince people that this is right. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I always said, and well, what do you think would be the worst thing that could happen? And then, and then we talk about that. You know, you're going to be mortified, embarrassed, or whatever it is. Well, that's not going to happen. Do you know? So, yeah, you mightn't get everything you want, or you mightn't get your point across completely. But you know, you're one bit step further towards being really good at something by just giving it a go. And I think, I think that there's a real value in in sort of looking um, into the future that way. 
Yeah, it's that doomsday approach, isn't it? I think it's, um, I don't know if it's NLP or, or one of like the, a certain type of counselling, it might be CBT, um, where, they, where they do that and they say, all right, so this is your greatest fear. Well, what's the worst that can happen? And then what? And then what? And then what? And then you get to the end result. And unless it's like death, then like you pretty much can take on these challenges. And um, yeah, I guess the same approach for, for younger people or the less confident. Um, just so all these minor worries, you get to, to the end result of it actually is not, it's not going to be that bad. But I, I wonder... I wonder why we see this more in women. I, I had a theory of, it was different for me. I grew up with four brothers and, and one sister, but we was all treated exactly equal. My mum was never kind of monocoddling any of the girls. We was treated the same, if anything, a bit harsher because she was convinced the world was a difficult place for women. But I know with a lot of young girls when you're growing up, and you see it, you see it still now today in the, in the next generation as well, which does infuriate me, where little boys, they'll go out, they'll get dirty, they'll climb things, they'll, they'll play with their friends, they're doing whatever they do. Whereas with girls, it's constantly, oh, don't do that, you'll hurt yourself, don't do this, you shouldn't be doing that. And even to just like the, the brainwashing that we have about not going out at night on our own because, you know, if these scary men that are knocking about and don't do this on your own, text your friends and all these fears that are implemented would just taught to be less confident in life to just be a bit scared of everything whereas men and little boys don't really have that i think i think girls as well are, are more kind of taught to be polite and to be kind of amenable and to, to like agreeable and i think boys are more rewarded for having a go and getting their elbows out and like having it like it's it's uh, i think there is differences in the way that we reward kind of behavior i mean have you seen the, um, have you read the, oh, is it Howard Heidi Rosen case where I think it was a Harvard study and um, Heidi Rosen, I think she was like, I'm going to get some of these details wrong. So apologies to people listening who know this more detailed than me, but I'll give it a half, half a go. Um, so Heidi Rosen was like a networker in Silicon Valley um, and the case was given to MBA students, I think at, at Wharton or Harvard or an American uh, business school. Um, and they had to rate, and one word was changed in the case to Howard. So they, you had two case studies, one about Howard Rosen, one about Heidi Rosen. Every other word in the whole case was the same. And at the end, the students were asked to rate kind of both Heidi and Howard. They didn't know that there were two on um, how good are they at their job? Would you hire them? How much money do they make? Would you go for a pizza with them? What are they like as a friend? Like, would you go to a party at their house? And even though everything was the same, the um, Howard was rated as being good at his job. So both of them were rated as good at their job, but Howard was also rated as like a, just a great guy who you want to go for beer with, who throws brilliant parties. And Heidi was like assumed to be kind of a bitch and probably not much fun. And like, you definitely don't want to go to a party at her house. And the only difference was the name. And I think that women, like sometimes women are more cautious about being kind of unliked or coming across as rude or abrasive or a bitch. But I think that, I think there's a reason that we're nervous around that because I think there is a, there is more of a risk that we will be disliked for being direct, um, which isn't it, it makes it hard to give good advice because what am I saying? Am I saying speak up, but people won't like you, but you'll get stuff done? I don't know. Yeah, do you know what I'm a um, I, I was aware of that study as well. I think it's so interesting literally because of a name change but like you i never got all the details right i didn't know it was howard and hyder i think i just made it up what i thought it was but um yeah it's just so interesting like why why you perceive that way and 
I mean, luckily for me, I don't, I do not care what people think. You know, I'm just going to do whatever job I need to do, crack on. I want to live my life however I want. I gave up giving a shit a very long time ago because I realized it leads to a far happier life when you don't care. However, you are taught to care. You are, that, that is how we're all brought up to care about what people think. And, you know, and we're still brought up in a society where I, I do believe it's changing. It's kind of keeping on topic, but it is still we are brought up where predominantly women are going to look after the children men should be going out earning the money but that's pressure in itself for, for both you know women do want careers that's becoming more accepted men don't want all the pressure of having to be the breadwinner and and we wonder why men suffer more with the mental health you know they, they're not allowed to talk to each other they have to go out they've got all this responsibility they have to fund a full family and it's the same in construction men's mental health is massively being affected we're the worst industry in the uk for mental health and suicide rates and divorce rates actually and I think it's because of this pressure because of the banter because of not speaking to one another whereas when you immediately put a woman into that situation it all just calms down a bit it just all the banter isn't as harsh anymore the swearing isn't as bad the way that people are speaking to each other won't be as bad again which is why it's important to be diverse so like you Emma like what am I saying should women be treated the same as men or should men they change and be treated more like like women yeah, you, you, you do get yourself, I do sometimes hear myself giving advice, I think, oh, is that right? I'm not sure. It's, uh, I, think some, I think some elements are easy. I think, you know, people taking the time to read a bit more of the research and to educate themselves and to engage in things like, uh, you know, have you read Invisible Women? I mean, you're furious afterwards, but it's fascinating. So I think some of the first steps are very easy, thinking about the language you use and the images you have and the way that you hire there's some easy first steps but some of the stuff is really hard like those ingrained just societal norms like that they're, they're tough like that i think it would be we would be kidding ourselves to think that the whole the whole changes needed are all easy they're really not yeah and i and i think sometimes we can go too far with the changes as well you know like great if that's what you want personally but I think telling people this is how it, it should be we should always just give people options like it is an option for you to be more confident is it is an option for you to do this not like you have to do this because at the same time we're all going to morph into one person and we know that d diversity is important you know it's it's important I think by nature women are in general um, more empathetic and it's important to be able to to bring that into leadership roles into organizations so we have to value the differences within us as well but understand how it to not hinder our career progression um by having these differences that, that like the lack of confidence not just being able to apply for a job also invisible women i'm like um halfway through it so really random that you said that i'm staring at it on my shelf at the moment um but yeah i'm loving it thus far yeah you, you, it's i mean horrifying and fascinating at the same i definitely recommend it as a read but you can't you can't not be mad afterwards <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Um, what? Um, so, Emma, what do you think? Um, in your in your opinion, you've been in the you've been in construction now for twenty years. What do you think has been the biggest shift, the biggest change, and how can we see more of that? What one thing has happened? What what has been successful in in recruiting, retaining, attracting, whatever for for women in construction? I mean, I. 
I think there's been a massive shift in just organisations and people at every level, at least understanding that kind of getting diversity and inclusion right is a good thing for business. Like years ago, this it it was a if you if you tried to do anything on this subject, it would seem like you were just mad and on my own little soapbox. I think that I think there has been a huge shift, and I think across the board, people at every level are are recognising that yeah, this is good for our business and it's good for the industry and it's good for everyone. So I think that that's that's great and I, I do think that has been a big shift um but I think I think it's too easy to think well the next generation's going to fix it or we, we've got the hang of it now it's in the pack like we've, it's all sorted I think I think if we if we kind of are too complacent about it uh progress won't be fast enough and I think given the challenges that the industry has in terms of increasing construction costs and climate emergency and and skill shortages I think there's not really time to move slowly on the things that are going to make a difference to delivery. I think we need to move quickly on them. Um, I'm just wondering, did you notice a change? I think I noticed a bit of a change when they started to have to publicise their gender pay gap reports. I felt like there was a wee mm-hmm. bit of a, okay, we're going to actually have to publish uh, what we pay like for like employees within the business. I, I felt like there was a bit of a change then. I wondered, did, was it just me? Yeah, could you, maybe it was that. Maybe I, I, when did that come? Was that about? I'm guessing about here? like 2015, 2016-ish. There was a whole, you know, because yeah. they, they, they then had to start, yeah, actually, or maybe it was a bit later, maybe even 2017. They then had to put the, the actual numbers on their, on their, yeah, publicly available. Yeah, I, wonder, I don't know what the whole, sh- I mean, I think COVID's had an impact as well, just on the, the, type of kind of on the the type of work people want to do and the type of cultures people want to work for I think that's changed quite a lot I don't know yeah. I don't know what it was yeah I think it, did it you was see probably that thing? a million things wasn't it it was probably the slow accumulation I mean it's not a new topic people have been kind of trying to push on this for a long time I don't know yeah there was um there was a thing last year it was cracking me up um, it was like a bot that whenever anybody, it was on International Women's Day, I think, and um, on Twitter, and whenever anybody was like using the hashtag International Women's Day, this bot went and then quoted it and then quoted the gender pay gap. And there was companies who was like having pictures of some of the women in their organisation on there who was paying them 50% less than what they was paying the men. It was really, really embarrassing for some very large organisations. So everybody stopped doing the hashtag International Women's Day because of it. I'm like, that is bad. If no, you're not even going to hashtag it. Like you really need to start looking at your organisation. So those things, I think, definitely help as well, putting it out there in public because, you know, you, you shouldn't be winning these big multi-million pound contracts if you're unwilling to then pay the members of staff the exact same within your organization it, i mean it's a joke and it's still a joke in construction now i think i'm sure it's um we're at about 28 percent um pay gap difference and the saying um you know i'm gonna say men are the, the leaders of these organizations is it's because they can't find women to fill the the bigger paid leadership roles and i'm like that is that's waffle. Like you can find women to feel, fill those roles. You are literally choosing not to find women to fill those roles. I, I find that to be an excuse. Oh, I was just jacket. Um, you've you had your hand up. You joined us on stage. Is it, do you have a question or something that you want to add to this? And also welcome. Hello. <laughs> um, I just dropped in fairly late 
phone calls as well here. Um, uh, I spent 39 years in the construction industry um, and it is it is really good to hear the what you've been saying there and some of, some of the changes that have been made, but it certainly is a, a slow and sometimes a very hard uphill struggle to get there. However, I think it's um, it is improving, certainly from from your last comment there about the guys and the men not wanting maybe to find the women for the leadership roles. Um, I think there is still an unconscious bias and certainly from that report about the the changing the name to from uh, female to male is certainly true. I, I, I experienced that myself a long time ago in the construction industry when applying for a job and I always put just Jackie which could be male or female and when I got the phone call it was a oh you're a female but yes um no and that was the end of that luckily things have changed since then so I don't think it is quite as in your face now but really good to see the changes and I really love hearing the conversation here today oh thanks Jackie and thanks for sharing that with us what what did you do in construction Jackie um, I started as a civil engineer way back in the day. Um, in fact, I know Lorna, <laughs> both from Northern Ireland. I started in the Northern Ireland Civil Service as a civil engineering technician, worked my way up. I joke that I had three careers because I was made redundant twice and had to go back, start at the bottom. But I finished up as the director of health, safety, quality and environment. But I was project manager. I worked in heavy civils infrastructure. Wow, yeah, and I imagine that was challenging 40 years ago as well. It, I was typically the, usually the first woman and for a long time the only woman in many of the companies that uh, and roles that I worked for. How did you find it? <laughs> well, it, it's strange at the start when I first joined all those years ago, um, it didn't even dawn on me that, no, this was something I couldn't do or there was something... Uh, unusual about it but as the as the years went on I realized that yes every job I started they sort of looked at me and oh we've got a woman in in this industry now yes you have and I think also from some of the things you were talking about there you know but not going for uh, promotions or applying for different jobs I think there is um, a lot of when you look down a list of requirements that especially women if we didn't meet absolutely every one of them, there's a thought, well, mm, I might not be able to do that. Whereas I think from the male being more um, confident in it, that would apply whether they have all the uh, capabilities or the requirements or not. And I think that perfection is poverty. And it's, that is certainly something that we need to look at and start to, I think, put into the mentorship programs and a whole uh, section around mindset and giving the uh, women and actually the guys the, the tools that they need to you know live the best life possible and get the results that they want absolutely and i find this random jackie so i'm intrigued you know the therapist Sorry, yes, yeah, sorry, uh, broke up there. Yes, I 
I left the constructor, my the construction industry, uh, the corporate role back in at the end of two thousand and eighteen. My contract had finished, and I it was around November. I took some time off. I thought to Christmas, give my get Christmas sorted before I look for an, another role. Well, January came, and I thought, oh, I haven't had much time off, so I give myself three months, which turned into six, which turned into nine, which a year later I realised I'd been completely burnt out. So I re reevaluated what I was doing and I started to look at the other skills that um, I had got over the, the years and I'd always been interested in how the mind worked. So I had done NLP, hypno hypnosis, tapping solutions, breath work, a, a raft of stuff. So, and that's what worked for me that got me through my burnout and various other issues that had I realized that it had crept up over the years. And I now use that back into the construction industry doing now well-being in construction, because I do believe that needs to be at the core of every construction industry. I'm glad that um, Jackie said that, because I feel like less of a, because my degree wasn't civil engineering, Laura, Lorna, it was psychology. Uh, so I feel like less of a imposter now that, um, <laughs> that Jackie said that. <laughs> yes, I think. Emma, sometimes when we, um, if I'd, I know if I'd said that back uh, when I was working in construction, it was, a lot of it was seen as a bit woo-woo and maybe not what was wanted. But now I do believe that is changing and the companies can now are starting to see the the need for it and the benefit of it. Once you have thriving people, you have a thriving business. Yeah, absolutely. Random, but it's great that you're um, that you're doing that and that you've remained in construction because yeah, 100% needed. Like I was saying before, you know, we have the worst mental health rates, the, the worst suicide rates. So people need access to these tools. And um, weirdly, I was talking about this last night with my friend over several glasses of wine where we, we were saying like religion isn't as much a thing anymore, whether you think that's good or bad, whatever. It, it's not a thing in school anymore. People don't take the kids to church. But I, I think we're really missing something in there which you'll get Emma from a psychology standpoint in that if you take away like Jesus and his miracles and God creating the earth and all the rest of it the, the morals that are taught of you know like treat each other as you want to be treated uh you know like pray to God express gratitude I believe like God is within yourself that's what the Bible teaches you anyway. Like all of these things to instill confidence and give you tools to be able to cope in life and just be like a morally nice person as well has gone now. And I think that is creating lots of these issues and nothing's being taught to, to children in the next generation of how to, to deal with problems when they come up. You don't understand how to be thankful anymore. We're not taught to be grateful. And I think that has a real impact on, on people's mental health, which is why we're seeing it, it getting so, so bad, um, all these comparisons that take place. Anyway, I digress. Carol, um, welcome to the stage. I don't know if you can talk. You're in Barbados, aren't you? I am. I've just found a nice, quiet spot. So apologies for being late. And uh, yes, hello to everyone on stage. And Emma, absolutely uh, really nice to hear that you're here in Clubhouse and sharing your views as well. This is really good. I will have to catch up on the early part of the discussion. So, uh, Michaela, question for me? Yes, yes. No question? Oh, the signal's going to go a bit poor. Sorry. 
Oh, yeah. Sorry, Carol. Are you saying you want to ask a question? Sorry. Is there a question for me? Oh, no, no. Sorry, Carol. I was I was seeing if um, I was just saying like, welcome to the stage. But yeah, I mean, we've been talking about. So the early part of the discussion was the changes that we've seen in construction, past, present and future. And what is the, the key shift? What do we think has been the one major change over the last 20 years that is now, you know, the, the latest report shows we've gone from 13 percent women in construction last year to 15 percent. So what is this change that we've seen over the last 20 years? Not enough, really, uh, but there is some change. Um, but there's been some challenges, as you know, the numbers. And it's quite sad to say that, you know, the increase in women, you know, in the sector has gone up by a, a few percent. Um, I think technology, and I would say, has a lot to do with it in terms of people being able to promote more. Um, you know, go back 20 years. And again, I was having a discussion with someone only a few days ago and saying, wow, the world of, you know, emails when I first was went into construction, you know, I worked for a house builder, which is still around. Um, and there was no, there's no, um, you know, fancy technology. Everything was basically paper based. So things that have changed um, from processes have changed, the way people engage um, with others in on site, with supply chain, with, you know, uh, different aspects of the, you know, the the construction community. So lots have changed in that way in terms of how projects are delivered. But in terms of, you know, your point on, on, the, on the culture and, and how people in, engage, there is still, still some work to do because there are some bias in terms of people's role in that set in the sector. Um, and, it, and it's across all business. I have not been a person that's ever been on the tools. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say I have in terms of the challenges I know that yourself, Michaela, uh, Lorna and, and Emma have seen in, in, on construction projects. I've been back office predominantly. But in, in respect of back office, there, there are still the challenges of there's a lot of um, male counterparts that are, are doing the senior roles that... Um, that, that still needs there still needs to be a shift. Um, the good news is is there there is much more awareness about what's going on and social groups like women in construction and what you've done, Michaela, along with Haley, promoting, you know, the things that are still apparent in the sector that needs to be changed is helping you know bridge that gap. So I'll always say that you know action speaks louder than words, and there's still so much more that needs to be done and. Emma, I know that you've, you've done so much, you know, as a, a working mom in the construction sector, like yourself, Hayley. And it's, it's just being able that there's more mums out there. There's more champions that need to just, you know, get their voice out there and heard. Thank you. Handing over the mic. Cheers, Carol. Yeah, we're just uh, regular uh, modern-day superheroes, aren't we? Flying the flag for women in construction. I'm actually going to get a flag designed, you know. I'm going to get something made up and um, create a little flag stick outside my house. That'd be yeah, great. Have, have like a pile of like unwashed washing in the background, just Lego all over the floor. <laughs> like, <laughs> Love it. That can be the flag. The flag can be like an outdirty t-shirt. Yeah, you've got to accept that something's got to give and it's got to be <laughs> that. But it's size up and down the country. Oh my God, that's a genius marketing plan. Right, I'm going to do that. We've got to do this, guys. So um, I'm just going to... Uh, 
wrap up the room, I just want to say once again, thanks to our sponsor, Big Dog. The, the link is at the top. Feel free to click on that. They are shelving and wrecking and storage specialists. Sorry for the way that I say it, but I can't get it out of my mouth if I don't talk like that. Um, and like I said, they've been our sponsors for the last 18 months. They really do champion women in construction. They've got their own podcast, uh, Equality and Trade, which is brilliant. They have some amazing guest speakers on there. So check that out as well. Um, and yeah, thanks to everybody who's joined us, mainly Emma for, for coming on, being our guest speaker. Um, we'll have all of Emma's social handles available on the podcast. Um, Jackie, um, I can't believe it's the first time we've met, but I hope that you can join us in future rooms. We're every Friday, 12.30 till 1.30 with uh, different guest speakers and different topics each week. So um, it'd be great to hear from you again. And Lorna, Stephanie, thanks for popping in. Carol, as always, you know, you're great, fabulous. And even my partner made an appearance. Harrison there, thank you very much, love. <laughs> Coming supporting the women. We love it. Um, yeah, so Emma, yeah, once again, thanks very much. We really appreciate you, you taking your time out. To, no, to thank you for having me. And yeah. Carol, Carol's in Barbados. I'm in Spain, actually, at the moment. So it's a very uh, international group today. Oh, I'm in Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> Who's jealous? <laughs> Barbados and Bolton, not quite the same. <laughs> yeah, so Emma as well, you know, like, feel free to pop in if you have any time. Um, then, we, like I say, we're every week, um, 12.30 until 1.30, talking about all different kinds of topics. And we've created our own little network, a, a nice community of women who, who all help each other out, pass each other business and support each other. So, um, yeah, feel free. You're always welcome. Right, that's it, I guess.